everybody. Welcome back to the Long Distance Work Life Podcast, the place where we discuss what it takes to work and thrive and survive and keep the weasels at bay in remote and hybrid work. With me is my co-host and buddy, Marissa. Hey, everybody. Hello. Hi, Marissa. And this is one of those episodes that we actually have been told by you that you really enjoy, where Marissa goes to the giant pile of questions <laughs> that are, are piling up about remote work and chooses some more or less at random uh, and gives me just enough warning that I'm prepared, but not enough to be uh, rehearsed on. And so, Marissa, we have a, a couple of questions today kind of with the same theme. Yeah. So this week, I thought we would kind of take some of these uh, remote work myths and kind of bust them, essentially, because we know that they're not true. But goodness knows I'm seeing it everywhere. So I thought we would start with those today. Is that all right? Uh, it's fine. I actually have been accused of looking like one of the guys from Mythbusters. So this, <laughs> so this is perfect. <laughs> this is perfect, yes. Um, so one of the first myths that I see a lot is that brainstorming is impossible if you aren't in the office. And, you know, I know for me personally, I, I actually got into a small LinkedIn disagreement with somebody about this a couple weeks ago. And this idea that like, well, just because you're not in person doesn't mean you can't pick up the phone. <laughs> or start a Zoom call. So do you have anything else about that? Yeah, I, I think that we have certain pre-judgments about what brainstorming is. And yeah. we have this image in our head of a bunch of people in a room gathered around a whiteboard or a flip chart, and everybody's kind of shouting out ideas and we're writing them down. Right. And, you know, that's where all the good stuff happens. Mm -hmm. And it's based on some science. Uh, you know, there are things that we do in those situations, writing things down so that our brain continues to think about them and build on them and um, the idea of the energy that somebody says something and you go, no, but what about this? There is filled off of each other. There is a lot to that. And traditionally, that's what brainstorming is. We forget, though, that those kind of brainstorming sessions also have some built in problems. OK, so what are there some of those? are things such as power dynamics at play? Absolutely. Where Marissa has this great idea and she's willing to go to the mattresses and I think she's insane, <laughs> but I'm not going to fight with her about it. First of all, I have to sit next to her every day and I'm not going to fight with her. Um, you know, so-and-so's been here a long time and their, their ideas carry more weight. Or they are just, frankly, a bit of a jerk. And if you disagree with them, it's going to get personal, so you sit back. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a lot of power. We are finding in certain surveys that, for example, some women and minorities prefer to work virtually because there isn't that physical energy. There isn't that dynamic. There isn't some guy getting loud and belligerent to get in the way of discussion. Mm -hmm. um, you know, synchronous meetings are not always productive. <laughs> yes. And the same is true of brainstorming sessions. So what makes brainstorming work? 
you have to have people understand what it is they're trying to solve. So there has to be kind of a, a common mindset about that. Right. They have to be able to freely contribute ideas and capture them and have them where people can see them and build off of them. Right. Uh, you have to uh, be willing to go back and re-examine. You have to make sure that everybody understood it. So somebody needs to be moderating and, and kind of leading it. Mm -hmm. um, and you have to know when it's over. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Otherwise it'll go forever. Yeah, otherwise it goes forever. Well, can you do those things asynchronously? I, I happen to believe that the best answer is kind of a mix of right. synchronous and asynchronous. Not all brainstorming sessions need to be a meeting. That's one reason right. we have too many meetings. Uh, but there are ways, for example, that you can have, I'll just give you an example of yeah. one kind of process. You have a quick meeting, you define the problem, you say, this is what we need to do. Uh, by Thursday, we need to have an answer. And okay. everybody goes back. And they, they think and they cogitate and they noodle and they put their ideas in a common place where everybody else can see them, similar mm -hmm. to writing them on a whiteboard whether that's a Slack or a Teams channel or whatever it is. And people, assuming that they are motivated and want to solve the problem and want to be part of the brainstorm, of course. which is an entirely separate conversation. But if they are motivated, they can look at that and they can, then maybe it's time for another synchronous meeting. Right, yeah. Where, now you have all the hey, ideas. Bob, Let's you go said through. this. What the heck was that, right? What, what are you talking about? Yeah. Or what did you mean by this? Um, and, and so you clarify it and you talk about it and you kind of eliminate the things that aren't relevant. And then you go and you do a second uh, batch of thinking about it. Uh, okay. One of the things about traditional brainstorming, which has always frustrated me, is I'm one of those people, the minute I leave the room and go, oh, man, you know what I just thought of? Yep. Absolutely. And synchronous brainstorming sessions don't allow for that. Right. There's this pressure of, hey, great, we reached consensus. Hurrah, we're out of here. On to the next problem. And there's no time to go back and add more thought to it. So there are ways of doing synchronous and asynchronous brainstorming that don't involve everybody being in the room at the same time. What it does require, though, is a high degree of engagement and motivation. Of course. What that generally means is you have fewer people working on the brainstem, bringing in the whole team. You bring in the people who are most highly motivated. Okay. Who, who have a high stake in that. There is an inherent danger of that is that you don't get the outsider opinion. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, how often in a team meeting does somebody who isn't involved with this process really contribute right yeah it's a little bit about right in a perfect world it would you know you want that outsider opinion but generally uh, asynchronous brainstorming is a little bit smaller group uh tighter time frames um, not as tight as we're going to walk into the meeting we're going to brainstorm we're going to walk out with an answer of course but some tight time frames and people are expected to hold up their end of the bargain. Of course. Yeah. You want them to give their input. 
Um, and you expect it, and it's a performance expectation. Uh, there are no shortage of teams who can prove that on a regular basis, not the least of which is us. Right. I mean, on a very small scale, uh, this podcast was originated, hosted, all put together. We find guests. We figure out what we're going to talk about. We run the thing. And you and I have not seen each other. Uh, Did we see each other last year? Right before the team meetings? Nope. As so, a matter of fact, we didn't. Two years? So Three years? It's been two years since we've been in the same room. Um, you know, not all brainstorming is equal. Not all problems are equal. Of course. So let's be reasonable about that. But it can, in fact, be done. There's a, a simple example. Uh, same with, well, what's the next question on your list here? <clears throat> yeah, so, uh, so going on with that, and that absolutely coincides with what we were just talking about, like there's this myth that you can't collaborate remotely either. I mean, you and I have been collaborating about this podcast, you know, since last December when I brought it up to you. <laughs> And we haven't seen each other in person in two years. Right. Uh, can you collab? Yes, you can collaborate asynchronously. Mm -hmm. uh, we see plenty of examples of this in technology. We see plenty of examples. Um, you know, my favorite example always is the Hubble telescope, which went into space. And it wasn't like people could actually go to the telescope and fix it. It was fixed at a pretty good distance by people all over the world, and they made the darn thing work. Yeah. Uh, there are plenty of examples of having it work. Here's the challenge, and here's why people say it doesn't work. Okay. Very similar to the brainstorming thing. Uh, number one is the social norms and the shorthand that happens when people know each other. And okay. they know each other's work style and they know that you don't bug Marissa in the morning and that Wayne is completely <laughs> useless in the afternoon. And if you give Wayne too much detail, his head will explode. But right. if you don't give Guy enough detail, he will take your life. And you need to. Because he'll just ask you questions until you get you know, the, the dynamics <laughs> of how we all work together. Right. We learn that kind of by osmosis, right? When you, when you yeah. work with people every day, you develop that shorthand that helps make work happen and, and spring ideas and, and create great results. Mm -hmm. Can that happen in a virtual environment? Yes. Does it happen as easily? The answer is no. Right. Uh, so it means that your team has to take the time to understand each other. Things like, um, and this isn't a panacea by any stretch of the imagination, but things like, uh, do you all know each other's disc profiles? Right. And your uh, work is, you know, your work styles, whether that's disc or 16 types or whatever. Yes, you we'll have a link in the show notes to disc personality testing. You know, what? And, and I will confess to being a little cynical about all of those because the 
purpose of them is not that one is brilliant and the rest are all wrong. Of course. It's that it's a snapshot in time that gives you enough information that you can be informed how to best work with this person. Yeah, it's a tool just like anything else. And it's also not a way to pigeonhole people, but that's a totally different conversation. (laughs) Right, right. But if I know, oh, this person is a big detail person, I might pick that up in conversation. Mm. But if I know that going in, it's going to help me. Of course. Be more effective in working with that person. Uh, There are plenty of organizations that work virtually and manage to collaborate and create good work. Uh, Here's the thing about that. It's not natural. Okay. It is literally unnatural. We are social creatures. Right. We want, you know, most of us, most human beings, get little dopamine blasts of being with laughing and having fun and sharing a pizza and, you know, being silly and all of that stuff. Of course. Helps us collaborate. And we are overcoming some of that with distance. Again, though, it requires a higher level of proactivity from the people involved. Right. Um, I was going to say some of the tools, I mean, I know that we've been talking about asynchronous work a lot um, here recently, but like some of the other tools that I've seen too, like I know Zoom whiteboards, if I remember correctly, now they have an asynchronous option for those. Um, Another tool that we've utilized a little bit here other than Zoom is uh, Slack has something called Huddles now that if you if you're talking to somebody in a slack chat and you're like hey actually this would be way better as a voice chat you hit a button and it's i mean it's faster than a phone call at this point and they're going to add video later this fall so i mean there there are ways to simulate this um simulate this whole yeah. concept of coming down the hallway and hey knock on your door I need to talk to you now, about this brainstorming is, thing for a session. Here is the challenge with that. And it's okay. a very real challenge. And I know because I am one of those people who are challenged by this. Okay. Technology works if you use it. Of course. If you know how to use it, if you mm-hmm. understand why it adds value, and it's not just something else I need to learn. And collaboration is a whole lot easier. As you say, with Slack huddles, you're able to get a voice call and soon a video call with the push of a button that doesn't require, hey, let's get on a different tool. Let's log into something else. The The more it fits into the workflow and the fewer logins and passwords and extra things and oh good i need to learn a whole new tool right right the less of that that goes on the more people are likely to adopt and use the tool quickly and efficiently Mm -hmm. Uh, the problem with a lot of technology and i talk to technology people all the time who say we've got a great solution to this okay and i go okay show me and he shows me And yeah, it does exactly what they say it's going to do, but it's a separate license, which means I have to get somebody to pay for it. Mm -hmm. It's more like this tool than that tool. And we use that tool here. Right. Right. Uh, Or it's based on this platform, but we don't use that here. It's Google based, 
but we're a Microsoft house or vice versa. Right. Uh, and they don't always play well together. So the technology exists, but let's not pretend that just because the technology exists, there aren't barriers to that happening. Of course. And they're absolutely. very real. I am an old man with a lot going on. If what I am doing works, it takes a fair amount to get me to adopt a new tool or a new technology until I see proof of concept, until I see that it's not a big deal, or until I am forced kicking and screaming to use it. Yeah, you really have to convince you why it's a better option. I totally understand that. You know, I have I have survived the Betamax is better than VHS uh, <laughs> wars. And we see how that went. <laughs> Right. And we see how that went because not only, but Betamax is a superior system. I don't care. I know how to use VHS. I can get VHS at the corner store. I'm going to use VHS. Right. Right. And we've and seen then, examples of oh, that for a long time. Way, it's gone forever anyway. And now it's CDs and now it's something else. Right. Um, so, yes. Can you collaborate? Yes. I, I know there's a third one. And, and yeah. So there's a third one. Here. It, it really kind of falls into this whole concept of also like the innovation is stifled when working remotely. There are some people out there that think there's no way you can be innovative because you're remote and you're not right there in front of everybody. And well, we both know that's not really true either. I actually have some sympathy. Okay. For people who say this because innovation is a different animal. Okay. Brainstorming, collaboration, there is a defined problem. And we're okay. trying to address that defined problem. And we're all focused on that. Innovation is usually incremental. It's looking at something in a different way, looking at ways something can be improved. or th And it very seldom comes from the people on the inside. Okay. In, one of the dynamics that happens is that the nuclear team when we work remotely can become very, very strong and very, very tight. Of course. What doesn't happen though, is the conversations with people in other departments and the people right. in the organization who might be in the building, but you don't have the hallway conversation with the person from marketing or the person from engineering who you know, has this kind of crazy idea and that conversation generally doesn't happen the same way when we're remote. Okay. I think that, and I don't know quite how to do this. There are organizations that are doing this just fine, but I think that for most people, innovation comes from the edges and from, comes from the outside. And I think that in a remote and a hybrid world, we have to find ways to have those conversations outside of our nuclear team. We need to find ways to cross-pollinate ideas within departments. We need to be free to have conversations that aren't transactional, to just have those, gee, wouldn't it be cool conversations? Mm -hmm. Because I know that something I've seen a lot of people talk about, and I mean, granted, it, it's it's slightly different. It's before the conversation, is this idea that, well, because we're working remotely now, we're not getting 
quite as interrupted as much, or we have the ability to, you know, <laughs> shut off your notifications for a bit and do this deep work thinking that you may not have been able to do when you were in the office because well, now nobody's bothering you. And now there's not Susie crunching her chips two cubicles down or whatever. And so there is this ability to, to think about these larger things and to think about this big picture stuff and to maybe come up with some of those innovative ideas, but you're absolutely right. Like, okay, I have this idea, but if I never talk to Joe in engineering about that's, it, well, then who cares? <laughs> that's the thing is, yes, we have the chance to daydream and we do have the chance, but do you have, A, the motivation, what's in it for you to raise the topic or of course. bring it up, right? And the second thing is, is there a mechanism? Is there a way to share this and have these conversations? Is it encouraged in the organization to have blue sky conversations? Mm -hmm. And those generally don't happen in a remote environment because we are very transactional and we are focused on tasks and what's happening at the moment. So for innovation to occur, we need to be far more proactive about sharing those ideas and seeking out the opinions of others. And then we need a mechanism to actually talk about, define, and skunkworks the problem or the innovation. Yeah, absolutely. And so can innovation be done? There are plenty of examples. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you there know, have been companies that have been completely remote for a long time doing amazing angry things. Angry Birds, Angry Birds was not created by people who slept to the same office every day. Right. Yeah, and, and look how large that is. Yeah. Um, and innovative. I mean, nobody had an idea like that as a way to run a game in that way mm -hmm. before. So can you innovate? Yes. Is it easy? No. And I think innovation is perhaps tougher than brainstorming and collaboration, which are much more task and outcome defined. That totally makes sense. It's more big picture thinking. It's harder to do. Absolutely. So there. So can we consider all three of these myths busted with a little bit uh, of here and there? Two, two of them, I think, two of them, I think are busted. One is uh, slightly damaged. Slightly damaged. I'll take it. I will take it. Um, if you guys have any other uh, myths that you would like us to talk about, whether we confirm that they are true or bust them, by all means, let us know. And I want to thank you so much for listening to the Long Distance Work Life. And for show notes, transcripts, and other resources, make sure that you're visiting longdistanceworklife.com. If you haven't yet, subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss any future episodes. And while you're there, be sure to like and review. That helps our show reach more teammates and leaders just like you. Feel free to contact us via email or LinkedIn with the links in our show notes and let us know you listen to this episode or even suggest one of these myths for us to bust in a future episode. And lastly, if you'd like to gain greater confidence for you, with your virtual team, sign up for our demystifying remote leadership video series at longdistanceworklife.com slash video. And as Wayne likes to say, don't let the weasels get you down. <laughs>